Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Even at like seven, I was very cheap, and I'm like, I'm going to have this this shirt for a long time. I can't even comprehend this question. I wouldn't want land. I wouldn't want animals. I don't want any of that. I don't want scenery. I don't want space. No, it didn't look like... I don't like, want open spaces at all. It didn't look like there was a... within miles of that place. I'm out. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. We are headed towards Las Vegas Aces basketball at 7 o'clock, pregame at 6.30. Right here in Las Vegas as they take on the New York Liberty. They got a great giveaway tonight for the uh, Aces game. It's uh, Heroes of the House Night. You can buy their uh, camo hat to be uh, available at retail locations at the arena. And then the first 4,000, first 4,000 folks in. Get a Camouflage Aces logo t-shirt. So more reasons to go out and see the Aces as they uh, steam towards the playoffs. And we'll see if they can kick some booty here against uh, Sabrina Ionescu and the Liberty. I was at a very ridiculous 4th of July party. I mean, just silly. Uh, it was a very small gathering. Should I just... wait to start the Big Five and you can get to it? No, it has no, it has something to do with okay. what, what you're talking about. Hit here. five. Hit five. No, no, no. No, five. it's not number no, five. Hit five. It's hit five. It's, it's, hit five. It's we need to hit thing. five. Go, go to five. Or, or number five. There you go, Commodore sixty four locking up because I want to tie this together with another Fourth of July conversation. Go oh, ahead. okay. So uh, it was way over the top. It was a very, a very nice house and somebody who loves hosting parties. But it was a very small gathering. But there was a live band and bartenders for like oh, eight wow. people. I'm like, well, what are we doing? Anyway, the point of that is I can only guess who's flush with money like that. Exactly. Wow, uh, nice. Well, you're probably wrong, but you're you're probably right. Your guess was in attendance, okay, but was not his house. So it wasn't a middle class person, no. Okay, uh, but the person that you're referencing, I got into a very heated debate about the Aces. We were like screaming at each other. What? There's a band. Really? There's a band playing jazz music. There's bartenders working. Two bartenders for eight guests. I love the passion. And we're screaming at each other about the Aces, which was hilarious. Were you guys drinking a lot with the two bartenders there? I mean, he was. Kinda... I, I oh, really? Wasn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do we need to get into the discussion on the air, or are you uh, going to ruffle some feathers here? Well, he was making he was making the case that there is you know there is a book in town that books yes no on championship odds, and about a week ago the Aces were favored against the field. You, like you could get a a small plus price on the field against the Aces to oh, win wow. the NBA title, and he said they're just not good. They're like the sixth or seventh best team, and I said no, they're the best team. They're actually just experimenting right now with a lot of lineups and trying to figure some things out. Like they're not. To me, they're not going out like trying to win like it's a championship right now. They're right. trying to figure things out for the postseason. So you can't judge them right now and say, well, yeah, they're struggling. There's some real issues with the team right now, for sure. But I think it's silly to say when all is said and done, when everything is on the line, that they're not the best team. And we were just scr- – and at one point, I'm like, what are we doing? Like, there's fireworks going on. There's a jazz band Big celebration. You guys are screaming about betting odds on the Las Vegas Aces. Good for the Aces, though. They're, they're relevant. We should do it every day. Sure. Start doing it on the show. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. I'm going to move on to number four. That was five? Yeah, that was, that was number four. That's the new five. Okay. We're, we're doing things on the well, fly today. you got a Fourth of July thing, too. You, you, well, we'll get to it in the grab bag. You pique my interest. Okay. You pique my interest. All right, VGK schedule is rolling out. Uh, you know, we started to find out about the preseason games, and then the regular season schedule 
was released. So we know that the season opens on Tuesday, October 11th at LA home opener Thursday, October 13th against Chicago. We always like to look to see where VGK games fall, where fights fall, where Raiders games fall, where UNLV games fall in the, the schedule at that time. That'll be an interesting Tuesday, especially for someone like you who covers lots of sports. That'll be the Tuesday after the Raiders at the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. The Raiders at Chiefs and then at VGK at, at LA. LA. The and then home opener on the Thursday. And from a UNLV standpoint, that's Air Force Week here in town. Following Monday Night Football with the Raiders and the Chiefs, it's actually a bye week. Okay. So lots of good media and fan attention for the VGK opener on Thursday night. That'll be good. I always That'll think nice. about these things. I'm always worried about what's Adam Hill going to have to cover. Sure. Is he going to be the fifth guy on VGK? Is he you know, number one on the Raiders and all no, that? Uh, um, very interesting on the preseason. You see that they're going to be kind of, I'll call it barnstorming, to use an old term, but they're actually going to be playing a game right before the season opener on October 8th. In Boise. In Boise, our enemy now, right? If Boise gets into the Pac-12 instead of UNLV, a lot of people are going to be mad. But anyway, um, the Steelheads Arena, I haven't been in the arena. I've been adjacent to it at that hotel that's a good little road trip sure. Boise's downtown is pretty cool so VGK fans it's not a big arena and I'm sure the Boise you know hockey fans sports fans will pack the place but uh, pretty cool and I know from the very beginning Bill Foley has talked about trying to be a regional yeah. hockey team and of that sorts. was my point they want to be the the team of the Rocky Mountains right. uh, which is tough now with the Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup uh but yeah they're, they're trying to expand their footprint for sure now I think it's fitting that they're going to play in the home of the Steelhead since it'll be the Silver Knights that are taking, <laughs> taking the ice in that game. That'll be fun. Uh, enjoy explain, that. Explain that. I mean, it'll be the last preseason game, so very that. unlikely that there's – and they're playing Salt Lake too. Play Salt Lake and then Boise. Um, but very unlikely you're going to see, you know, top-line guys playing in that game. But it's still cool to, you know, expand the brand, expand the footprint. That's the, that's the point of this for sure. Number three. You know, I'm never going to get on guys for staying in the city they've been in and grabbing all the money they can, but I'll tie these guys together. Bradley Beal and Terry McLaurin, both in D.C. I thought about it last week with Beal. It just feels like, and again, dude, you do what you want. It just it feels like there's so much money in the NBA, um, and you'd have to leave some some of the guaranteed money on the table, you know, not take a five-year deal. You'd have to take a four-year deal, right? And I, I guess Beal can look at it. Hey, I'm going to stay with the Wiz. I'm going to get all my money. And then, you know what, a year from now, if we suck again, I'll just ask out. And then I still get all my contract money. But, man, I, I looked at that and I'm like, my God, that's a lot of mediocrity you're signing up for. And you can't think that way as a player, but it's just like, do you trust management? And then in the worst situation – now, he, this is his first big contract, so if Terry McLaurin can get it, he's a wide receiver with the Commanders. Man, that's a bleak-sounding situation, isn't it? Well, yes, but at the same time, like, it is a winnable division. Yeah, I mean, a couple of, year, couple of years ago, they were right around 500, and a lot, you know, a lot of last year was based on the quarterback play. And I mean, he's had – this will be – Carson Wentz will be his ninth quarter, quarterback, which is insane. I mean, you got your, you got, you got the bag, as they say, or is yeah. it the bags? When it's that much money, he the secured, bag? secured the bag. He secured the bag. Sure, but you just wonder what, what, what it must be like. And the money can be the great equalizer, but what it must be like to sign up to be around the Snyder organization, Dan Snyder, for years and years and years. 
Yeah, but I mean, we we also know that players do have some power to force deals now and force trades if they really, really insist on it. Like it's possible we can get out, and I think there's some level of confidence. Probably isn't the right word, but I think their defense is going to be good, and their offense could be stabilized with Carson Wentz. I mean, stabilized is the right word either because he's so wildly inconsistent. But when he's good, he's really good, and you might be able to put up big numbers and and have some success on offense. Like that is possible uh, in this in this scenario. So I, I don't think it's it's not like. Also, it's not a terrible place to live. There's some nice places for sure that you could live at. Like you're not stuck in, you know, some awful place. Uh, it is an awful organization for right now, and there's a, not a lot of hope. But again, there is upward mobility possible in that division where there's no, nobody dominant. It could turn around. Like, and, and you also maybe <laughs> maybe you're hoping that Snydog is forced to sell the team at some point soon. That there could be optimism there. Number two. Your list is out. I know you were working on this weeks ago, and you knew it would get some attention. And I figured, hey, Vegas is going to be number one. It's certainly uh, in the running for a top five NFL city. So tell me what the rankings were and what you based it on. So (laughs) this all started, really, because I realized that I've been to every NFL market and every NFL stadium. Uh, And I said, well, I'm I'm probably as qualified as anybody to – rank what the trips are because i actually do things on the road too i'll go out and you know go to restaurants and bars and stuff on the road we'll we'll take we'll take credit at cofield and company because we discuss these things every time you go on the road and we debate things and you hate certain cities and you're a chamber of commerce guy when it comes to vegas it started with a couple of things one uh, one you know our consistent argument about indianapolis as a destination city uh which i wanted to make sure that it was it was ranked very high and got the credit it deserves what a disaster Uh, but also think about the last place that i was with the raiders cincinnati and it was horrific. It was everything about it was horrific. The food is terrible. There's nothing going on. It's just a terrible, bleak, miserable place. And it, it <laughs> literally sitting in the stadium for the playoff game, I yeah. got the idea. I was like, I'm gonna rank cities, and this is definitely gonna be last. Like, there's nothing this bad. So I just sat down, and throughout the summer, I've kind of pieced it together. And we had a weekend here with, you know, Fourth of July weekend. There's not a whole lot going on sports wise. The Raiders are off. The Knights are off. Um, finally decided to publish it and it just so happened as i was putting the finishing touches on it kind of got lucky knowing cincinnati was going to be last i was writing the final words at the uh ufc event the other night and joe burrow was sitting next to me and i was like yeah joe burrow's on vacation in vegas not cincinnati perfect it's perfect and that actually ended up being the end of the of the story so it's it's not game day experience necessarily no it's uh, what i what i basically said was you have it's an NFL road trip, which I said basically is a Friday night to a Monday morning. Right. We're assuming it's a Sunday game. Right. And so what can you do? So places like Cleveland wasn't, you know, people are like, Cleveland has to be in the bottom three. Cleveland's actually kind of a perfect, like the airport's close to the city. Everything's downtown. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a good Saturday experience. And then you go to the game on Sunday. That's a nice little trip. Like New York, which is a great city, obviously, to go to. Not a great NFL. Well, trip. New York, New, the New York game day sucks because you have to because you're probably not going to stay. You're probably not going to stay in northern New Jersey. So if you're going to stay in New York City, then you got a bit of a haul, sure, to get over there. So, but I, but I didn't think you were factoring in game day. No, in fact, I am because Atlanta was really high because the concessions are nothing. 
like well, you also, hot dogs you, are a dollar. You love the public transit in Atlanta. Sure. And I, I know that. It's in and like any place that's everything is downtown. You don't have to go anywhere. You yeah. can walk everything. It's gonna score very close. high. Yep. An airport being far away is definitely a, a huge detriment. So was Denver like bottom? No, five? because I actually pointed out the train is awesome in Denver. From the airport. Get on the train at the airport. The train is at the baggage claim and it drops you off downtown. You never have to do anything. You know what's funny? I haven't read the story, but I know how much you look into all this stuff. There's probably a ton of good information and almost no one processed oh, no. it because they're just they just look for their city and then they're pissed off. Yeah. Of course, of course. But, but that's people, what people in those cities know if it's a giant pain in the ass to get to the game and everything is spread out. They know, but the, but they know, but they they don't want to admit it because they don't want to see their city bashed. Yeah, and as I said in the in the story, it's obviously just completely my opinions. <laughs> that's right. all it is. You can argue with it if you want, but it's my opinion. And yeah, as you said, Denver airport's far away. It should drop down, but it doesn't because I love Denver downtown, and I do think it's easy to take the train into the city, even though nobody does it. Um, Washington is probably higher than a lot of people would expect because the game day experience does suck in Washington. The stadium's so far away. But it's a perfect football trip, right? You get there Friday night, you go out a little bit. Saturday, you're sightseeing, seeing all the, you know, the federal museums and the, you know, White House and, and the, you know, Congress and all that stuff. Uh, and then you go to the game Sunday. And you can take – it's a it's a walk. It's almost a mile. But you can take the Metro to the game. It's not that bad. Ooh. What? Wow. Now I'm just looking at the bottom five. Oh, boy. Um, Pittsburgh, huh? Pittsburgh sucks, man. Really? It does. I don't like I it. I liked Pittsburgh when I went there. And the stadium's close to downtown? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I said, I said there's it's, – it's fine. So, since he last, Jacksonville. Is Buffalo's that bad. I, Buffalo is one of – I think there's only five cities I haven't been to. And I'm not saying I've been to an NFL game in all these places, but I know where the stadium it is. And then, you know, if you're looking for what you're doing on the weekend, the five places I haven't been to, the Buffalo, Boston. I will never go to Bo- – I'll probably go to Boston at some point. Uh, Cleveland, Green Bay. Well, you've never been to Boston or to a game? I've never been to Boston. I've never been uh, in. I've been in Massachusetts and in, in Western Mass. I don't. I don't. I mean, you know, it's funny. I like. I was just gonna say. I don't think I could be around Boston people because oh I find the sports fans so annoying. But actually, the deciding vote in my house would go to the SO, and she's even more dead set against Boston people, <laughs> which is which is absurd because it's such a city of history. Like news. I like I need to see it. Why? Oh, there's how a, high is it? No, no, it's it's not really that high. But there's it a should be high. There's actually a spot that I wanted to take you guys to next week. Just a little side thing from the show, but oh, okay. Uh, and it's <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not good. And your your top five are Vegas, New Orleans, Tennessee slash Nashville. I don't know why you're giving the the one chicken place a shout out. Go to Bolton's, uh, Indianapolis, and Chicago. I mean, one of those doesn't belong, dude. Come on, Indy. Yeah. Indy's great. It doesn't belong. Indy is a great place. I don't know what you're talking about. I love that city. And it's a good debate. Perfect. Wow, San Fran only 14. Why? Because the stadium's a thousand miles away. You go to Santa Clara. Yeah, it's not even in San Francisco. I mean, you're going to San Jose, so you should yeah, just put yeah. San Jose in there. Yeah, exactly. I like I like San Jose. You have Philly 15th. Yeah. Wow, kind of low. I mean, it's it's fine. I enjoy Philly. I actually I thought I when I started to do the ranks, I thought Philly'd be lower, but it's not. It's actually a great place, and there's some obviously the food is good, and the raging crazy fans are fun. It, it's funny that there ha- there's been I've gotten a lot of feedback on this. Yeah. One was a guy from Indianapolis that was like, "Thank you so much. I'm going to take this to the city council and tell them we need a train from the airport to downtown." That's what I was like, <laughs> "Thank you. That's good." Well, if, if, if anyone's a candidate to work someday in Indianapolis, it's Adam Hill. All right, top story number one. All right, the Browns today. I think maybe it's addition by subtraction, but holy crap, are they taking a chance? No Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield traded to the Panthers. We covered the Panthers and of things 
I mean, are you bullish at all on the Browns getting near 10 wins with this quarterback situation now? We have, we if have Deshaun Watson's out for the year? Well, isn't Deshaun Watson never going to play for the Browns? <laughs> uh, if Deshaun Watson's out for the year, it's a mess. Yeah, uh, There's no question. I, I actually thought the Browns were the right place for Mayfield to stay. I mean, maybe they felt it was just untenable and it wasn't going to work out and whatever has happened in the locker room wasn't going to work. But I thought Baker Mayfield staying in Cleveland, maybe filling in for Deshaun Watson potentially for the whole year with a roster that is ready to compete for the top of the AFC. I thought that was going to be really good for his career. But, I, you know, it seemed like he really wanted out. It seemed like the team, uh, especially after hearing the other day when Baker Mayfield's like, they have to come to me. I'm sure they said, okay, well, that's not going to happen. Um, it's it, Whatever was happening behind the scenes clearly was they felt was not going to work out because it would make the most sense to me that Baker Mayfield be the quarterback if Deshaun Watson is out for the year. That would have made sense. So for whatever reason, it wasn't able to work out for from both his, his perspective and the team's perspective, and he has to move on to Carolina. Probably, not probably, it will be tougher for him to audition for a big contract with Carolina. Even if he's getting playing time, like the roster is not as good around him. He doesn't have, you know, the coaching staff seems to have almost checked out at this point. Um, it's not as good of a situation for him. So I would have, if I'm him, I'd prefer to be in Cleveland. But the relationship was clearly fractured. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborne Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborne Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Holmgren up top and down. High flyer, two-handed. Here's Long, baseline. Takes it right at Holmgren. And guess what? Denied. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Yeah, nice debut yesterday in Salt Lake for Chet Holmgren. Matt Pinto on the call. He had six blocks, made a bunch of threes. And I guess today he got to go against a, a beefier big fella and was getting destroyed. Yeah, uh, Kenny Lawson just pushing him around in the paint. Right. And, and he goes like 275 yeah. pounds. Just putting his head so down and pushing him around. But that's, that's going to be the matchup issue to you know for Chet Holmgren until he can get up to like 215 pounds. I don't think he's ever going to be bigger than that. But at 7'1 and 195 pounds, he's he's going to have some matchup issues. But it goes the other way, too. You know, the sure. guy can shoot threes and get up and down the floor. He's a great freaking um, shot blocker you know, from the, the weak side. And I, I actually think defensively, if he can keep up with small guys, that he's legitimately a three. And not a power forward. So, well, we'll say. And, and, but I think the, the bigger thing is it sounds like he might be turning around a little bit now um, yeah. in the second half or whenever they're. Whenever, yeah, I mean, if we're going to go game. quarter by quarter with right. Chad Holmgren, and that's, it's a little absurd. That's the thing. Like yesterday, it was insane that people were already saying, oh, rookie of the year. Like it was, it, it's one game in Summer League. Right. And, and he was getting pushed around in the first half of the second game. And people said, oh, now we found his weakness. So he's not going to be any good. It was way overreaction yesterday. It's way overreaction today. It's the summer league. So tomorrow's a massive day. Even though Raiders camp doesn't open until July 18th, it looks like we're going to get some answers. Well, I don't know if we're going to get answers, but we're going to find out who's going to be taken over as the president of the Raiders organization. Yeah. And I know you are getting calls as we speak asking you who it is. My phone is, my phone is ridiculous <laughs> right now. Uh, and they're doing the press conference at the Owl, not at the uh, Henderson facility, huh? Yeah. I think more, you know, probably too much media uh, than there would be allowed or would be. It'd be pretty. It'd be in. pretty tight down. In they Henderson. do have they do have the bigger like the team meeting room where they've done a couple of things uh, where they announced McDaniel's and Ziggler 
which is a much bigger space. But I think the Allegiant Stadium makes some sense for you know business side announcement like president. It's a, it's a nice backdrop, and um, it'll be interesting. I, I have no doubt we'll know within the next couple hours. Um, believe me, there's a lot of. I, I was I was going to actually. I'll say the calls and texts that I've got during the show, you know one person, but much bigger even than that of like, what's going on? Who is it? Who is like, everybody's interested in who this is. So somebody's going to find out from someone and it'll, it'll be out there uh, before the press conference happens. But um, a lot of rumors flying around, a lot of names flying around um, a lot of, you know, opinions of who it should be, or if it should be anybody, but a white male, Judging by what the you know some of the stuff that's come out about, can the I give you a white that might blow people away? Sure, like heads would explode tonight. Sure, what if what if George Klyakov, the Pac-12 commissioner who was here in Vegas, was like, "Yeah, I'm going to go to the Raiders," and then everyone's like, "What? Be interesting. You're trying to save the conference? What are you doing?" I don't think that's going to happen. I think the most logical name that I've heard is very related to that. Ooh, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean. Look, there's there's a lot of possibilities, and there's a lot of directions it could go. And a team president isn't always a football person. Right. Uh, you know, I want to point that out because very much a business position yeah, as well. Yeah, it's it's very it's, it's almost exclusively a business position, especially with you know the way that the organization is structured. Like the president doesn't really have of here in this in this organization won't have much say on you know they're not signing players and scouting players and stuff like that. They're they're the business side. Uh, they're in charge of the business side of things. So. Um, don't you know? Think outside the football box is what I would say. So I just mentioned the Pac-12 commissioner. We've been talking about conference Armageddon and what's going to be happening in the future. We've mostly repped people from the West Coast, right? Those people in the know near all these schools. Well, next up, we go to the Midwest. I know there are a lot of Big 12 folks who think, hey, the Big 12 is going to take over. Pac-12 is done. We're going to check in with our buddy in Kansas City. Soren Petro actually happens to be in uh, Tahoe right now. He's actually in our state at the uh, the big celebrity golf tournament. He's coming up in less than five. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. If you're Notre Dame, though, it just makes sense to go to Big Ten. It's, it's always it's, made sense. It's just geographically in your footprint. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then all of a sudden, USC, Notre Dame game just kind of fits mm-hmm. right in that scene. Mm-hmm. It's a huge monetary opportunity. Mm-hmm. It just, for me, that works. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeppers, it does make sense. If the Big Ten is going to haul in $100 million, $110 million per school, what makes sense for the Big 12? We've been talking a lot about the Pac-12 end of things and talking to a lot of the experts in the local markets, and we know Conference Armageddon is here. Soren Petro covers the Midwest in Kansas City, WHB. Uh, very familiar with the Big 12 and certainly uh, tied closely to Kansas. He's actually in Tahoe right now. Petro's up. What's up, Soren? How you doing, Steve? What's going on, buddy? I'm good. This is uh, one of the hot topics, and uh, you know we're we're sort of a college market from you know time to time. But you guys are really a college market, uh, Big Twelve, right there. So tell me what the the main talking points have been about college conference Armageddon. Yeah, you know, I mean, listen, it's it's been a debate that's been ongoing for ten years ever since they lost uh, Colorado and Nebraska. Uh, you know, people thought, well, that's it. It's, it's, you know, we're fine. It's less miles to feed. It's better. A couple of years later, they're losing. Uh, Missouri and Texas A&M, panic set in the bat. Uh, you know, they, they'd added West Virginia to the mix. They added TCU. They thought they'd 
stem the bleeding. Uh, and, and, you know, people didn't want to hear it. I've said for a long time, I think I've said it with you, that it, it's, it's inevitable that they're going to be picked at again and again and again. And I still think that's the case. Uh, but there is a bit of an opportunity, maybe right now, for them to turn the tide and, and to go try to – the focus in, in Kansas City is that they go and get Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, and if possible, throw in Oregon and Washington as well. I think those are much longer shots, and I think they're certainly eyeing the Big Ten by all accounts that are out there. But they think that the mountain time zone teams are the ones that, that they could make work. And, you know, to me, you have Cincinnati, Central Florida that are coming in, and West Virginia that's already in that are in the eastern time zone, and that's, that's always been a mistake. I, I, you know, listen, decisions are made about what, what it, whenever anything's going bad. Decisions are made about what is best for us this second, this quarter. And that's what those decisions were. Those were the best football brands or football rankings that they could get at that point and never thinking big picture and never thinking about the idea that, well, maybe the Pac-12 will lose some schools. Maybe we need to focus on the, the western half of the country. And so now, you know, how, how attractive is it if you're the Arizona schools, uh, if, if you're Utah, if you're Colorado, about going to Central Florida or West Virginia or even to Cincinnati if you could end up doing something with the Mountain West. So I, I think literally – you know, I talked to Tom Fornelli from CBS today, and I, I think literally every possible scenario that you can think of is on the table right now. Like, like the, the Big 12 is trying to poach the Pac-12. Pac-12 is trying to poach the Big 12. I think the Mountain West should be selling, you know, where combinations of teams could fit and how they could look better. I, I think it's all anything and everything would be in play right now. And I, I talked to Jay Billis today as well, and, you know, I said, you know, you're an ACC guy. What's your opinion? Do you think that the ACC is immune to this, or do you expect North Carolina and Georgia Tech and and Virginia uh, to be to be grabbed. He said they were they were being talked about five ten years ago. Why wouldn't they be talked about now? He said yes. He said nobody in the, nobody other than the SEC and the Big Ten are going to be able to offer those kind of paydays. And as long as that's what it's about, uh, all the other conferences are going to lose. So I think anything's possible. And I think the only conferences that aren't losing teams are the Big Ten and the SEC. And You'd have to at least wonder aloud, would Vanderbilt and Northwestern be shown the door if more lucrative brands could be brought in, more competitive you know, teams, at, uh, schools that can provide more competitive game matchups for, for national-style broadcasts? Of all those things, and I know you mentioned everything is on the table, so we don't really know what the next domino is. Isn't it really right now a showdown between the Big 12 and the Pac-12 to just see which one brings in schools from the other? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Or do they go towards the Mountain West to do – each of them decide, okay, we're not going to budge, and they go to the Mountain West. Yeah, I think it's a showdown for everybody. I think everybody not in an SEC or, or Big Ten right now is talking about what they're going to do and where they're going to go. And so I absolutely think that, yes, those conversations are happening everywhere. I, I wanted to ask you this because my thought for years, and we've talked about this with all the expansion, all the movement, is that eventually – the NCAA is not really going to be a part of this anymore. The the Big Ten, the SEC, and whatever two other major conferences emerge are just going to break off and do their own thing. But we always talk about it in terms of football. Like, if that happens, do we keep basketball kind of the way it is? And, and I, I'm asking this because you deal with schools like Wichita State. Like, what happens to them if these major conferences break off and do their own thing? Like, is basketball and basketball-only programs, especially as we know them, are they just out of the loop and they're not even in the conversation anymore? Yeah, I mentioned that with Jay Billis today. And, you know, that was you – know, I said, look, right now basketball is considered a complete second-class citizen, and I get it. But that's because its tournament is, is held – you know, the, the revenue from the tournament are held away from those basketball schools. At some point, do the Dukes in Kansas 
you know, the, that have the, the big basketball brands. If we're talking about 2035 when all these TV contracts end and we're looking at team, you know, we're looking at like, uh, you know, trying to pull that basketball money away. Can you do a tournament with power schools that doesn't include Kansas and, and Duke, right? Uh, just, just to name a couple of them. Or does a Kansas and Duke playing in a tournament that's without the SEC and the Big Ten, does it actually end up looking like a better tournament or at least a comparable tournament? And I think at some point that has, that has to weigh on people. But right now, when you go all the way down to the Wichita's, no, they, they just keep getting the stats that, get, that, that fall off the table. What do you think they want at Kansas? Kansas wants the Big Ten. I think that's what Kansas fans. I hear lots of Kansas fans explain to me why they're next uh, for the Big Ten, and then USC and UCLA happened, and now I hear why they're now next uh, for the Big Ten. But I don't know why Virginia and North Carolina that bring bigger markets and states that they don't have. Uh, you know, Kansas. Uh, you know, it, it, Kansas City is a market, but Kansas is a brand. I, I think we're starting to get to where. You know, there are markets, that's part of it, but the brand and having compelling games uh, to to be able to get a national audience. You know, somebody described it to me, like, listen, do you want ACC basketball or do you want Duke versus North Carolina? Right? Like, you can go get Georgia Tech. Yeah, they're in Atlanta. But is anybody going to watch Georgia Tech versus Northwestern because it's Atlanta and Chicago? Or do the brands trump it? And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, it's a combination of the two. It's, it's how big is your brand? How many eyes can you bring uh, onto a – a broadcast nationally, and 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 what do you bring for any kind of regional third tier rights? If you're going to have a channel, I think that that's all a combination that has to be weighed. You know what what is what is your you know total monetary value? And I think for Kansas people, they think that basketball brand should get them in there. And I and I and frankly, I I think it should as well. I also think you know at some point, like everybody can't win. Somebody has to lose games. And so if you like, oh, it'll be like the NFL. Oh, okay. I mean, maybe, maybe the SEC will grow to 24 teams, and it will look like the NFL, and it's okay to go seven and five, and you'll get into your SEC playoffs at the end, and that'll be big enough, and that'll be what everybody else focuses on. Or they'll say these are a bunch of mediocre teams, and they'll look at a 10 and you know 11 and one, uh, you know Boise State playing a you know uh, you know 10 and two Arizona as a better game. Saran Petros with us, WHB in Kansas City, getting the Big 12 perspective, the Midwest perspective on all the uh, the conference potential changes coming up with the USC and UCLA going, uh, you know, with LA to the Big Ten. Do you think? Because again, I'm going to bring in Kansas. Do you think the folks, the powers that be at schools, actually look at the other schools they may be paired with, like they want some likeness in who they're going to be in a conference with? I think the Big Ten definitely does. I mean, they've always said the AAU thing is important, and I know people, critics, will say, well, Nebraska lost its AAU status. Why isn't it out? And, you know, it, it still fits most of the criteria of it. But, you know, you look at it, all the Big Ten schools outside of Nebraska are AAU schools, and they do seem to be, you know, that, that seems to be important to them. They, they want that. And I think they feel like it's a prestige, and it adds a monetary value that you're watching the best schools. It gives it more of a college feel than just, we're going to grab any school we can, regardless of their academics, and 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 put them into uh, the league. You know, okay, hired gun, good football, but you get more out of the ratings because there's still a, a, a an emotional pull to the schools that you're getting if they're better schools. I, I don't know. I think right. it's a theory. I think the Big Ten is more than just the the football, but you know, there are a lot of those AAU schools out there, and that's why I think if you're the Big Ten, your eyes were open when Texas and Oklahoma were poached. I wouldn't just stop at USC and UCLA. I would right. find the brands that you want and get them now. 
Yeah. And that's why I keep bringing up the, the Pac-12 and the market size and also the school matches. And, you know, I, I don't know what happens with Cal and Stanford, but I, I don't I just can't imagine Cal and Stanford being cool, uh, being paired up in a conference with Baylor and Texas Tech and Kansas State. Uh, no. And, and, I, and I think, what I, I, listen, unless that's the best that you've got left. Like, I don't yeah. think anybody yeah. in Big 12 countries saw Central Florida being something right. they wanted. But when they, right. when they lost Texas and Oklahoma, it, it looked real attractive. Right. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna st- I don't even know if you do this feature anymore. Do you still do your Final Four? Of course I do. Uh, of course I do. <laughs> See, I should be. I need to be listening more, more often Thank to uh, Pecco Show. Appreciate, appreciate yes. all the conversations we've had late nights, talking about shows. You know, talking about the industry. I appreciate that, Steve. I'm, it's nice knowing being listened to. Well, it's, it's a compliment that I'm just going to steal it from you. Okay, I'll take that. Okay, rapid fire. Uh, should the Pac-12 take UNLV or Boise State? Oh, I mean. I guess Boise State. I mean, based on how things go right now, whoever's got the best football right now is where you should go. So I would say okay. Boise State. I also think uh, Las Vegas is becoming a pro sports town, and I think it's tough to wedge yourself in there. Uh, I, I don't know that UNLV could ever be the, the, the spotlight uh, for, for Las Vegas. Okay. Adam Hill just came out with his uh, top 30 NFL cities to visit, you know, like a three-day trip on the road. He's got right. Vegas number one. He's got Cincy last. What is the worst NFL city to visit? By the way, Kansas City checked in at twenty-one. Uh, you know that's fine. I mean, uh, we're not we're not the board of tourism. You know, every <laughs> city. Look, every city has its charms, has its bright spots. Like a better thing would be, how many cities do you want to go to ten times? Right. Um, I got no problem with Vegas being up there at the top. Everybody loves Vegas. Uh, I don't love the price of Vegas anymore, but everybody loves Vegas. Jacksonville's got to be down towards the bottom. I went to a Super Bowl there. I didn't see a whole lot of reason to go back. That was second to last. Okay. I'll take it. Yeah. Good call. Rolling on. Have you seen something called the tortilla challenge? I know you're a big TikTok guy. Um, I, I am. I'm all over TikTok. Uh, I think it's, uh, what am I at? 12, 15 million followers uh, on TikTok right now. Uh, or, or maybe two. Um, one or the other. But, uh, no, I, I am was not familiar with it until like 10 minutes ago when I was told what it is. Yes. Um, so my question is, would your wife be willing to play the tortilla challenge no. against you? Basically, no. it's put water in your mouth and smack each other in the face with tortillas. No, and you know that. Come on, what kind of a ridiculous question <laughs> is she, she gets to take shots at you. It goes both ways. No. No, because okay. if, if – if, well, who, whose idea is it? It's my idea? No. If, <laughs> if, if, if Are we going to go here or there? If I say there, she says no here. You know, are, are we going to – which table do you want to sit at? I like that one by the window. Oh, I like over here. If I brought it up, no. I, I could bring up picking up the $5 million laying on the ground, and she would say, no, 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 no. It's a bad view over there. Come on. She's not going to go for anything, I suggest. All right, and last one. This is a two-parter. Uh, you're back at the Celebrity Golf Tournament in Tahoe. Who's your favorite guest of all time, and who's been the worst guest of all time? Oh, man. Worst guest of all time. Favorite guest of all time. Um, you know, Jay Billis is pretty good. I like talking to Jay Billis. He was really good today. Um, Miles Teller was good. Uh, you know, Mike Vrabel might, might have been my favorite. I, I, I love talking to Mike Vrabel before and during and after that. Both conversations were great. So I would probably say right now, top of the list would be Mike Vrabel. Uh, worst on the list, um, God, mm. I, I, Kevin Nealon. Kevin Nealon, <laughs> maybe. 
Okay. Poor, poor Kevin Nealon. Yeah. Not a My, bad uh, guy, but it's but like you know, there's a couple of guys. I'm not going to name names, but like you haven't done anything for 25 years. What am I supposed to talk to you about? Right. Yeah, because I've I've talked to some people that have been up there, and they said uh, Jay Peterman uh, was the worst. The guy, the guy who was on Seinfeld, just a weenie. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jay Peterman, which is uh, oh oh oh, it's something. Oh, John O'Hurley is that his real name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. John O'Hurley. Uh, yes. I've interviewed him. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Kevin Nealon, John O'Hurley, Brian Bumgarner. Um, oh, you know, oh, Brian Bumgarner's great. They're, they're <laughs> all great guys, but when you when you sit great. them down for the third time and they haven't done anything again, right. it's like, hey. Remember that question I asked you last year? Wasn't that great? Like, you know, there's a limit to it, you know how many times you can talk about The Office or, or talk about Seinfeld, man. I mean, you know, I think I'm pretty good. I mean, I'll find something to talk about. But, you know, you're asking me, my personal opinion. Like, no, I don't need to do that again. No, but I, I definitely heard Jay Peterman said that he will not talk about Seinfeld. Oh, come on. Yeah. Stop. Really? Nobody, nobody maybe, cares about anything maybe, else, bro. Maybe that's happened since the last time I talked to him. I just don't talk to mm. him anymore. Saran, how many more shows do you have going down in uh, Tahoe? Oh, I've got I've got two more. Two more. Okay. Cannot wait. Uh, yeah. the fantastic. Uh, looking 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 just jam packed with stars. Tell uh, before you get out of here. Tell people about the uh, the hardcore football and baseball podcast you're doing. Uh, yeah, if you are interested in Royals baseball, which you in Las Vegas isn't, uh, Kaufman Corner. I do it with Randy Gisarelli, one of the founders of Baseball Prospectus. Uh, you can catch that, Kaufman Corner, wherever you get your podcast. And then our football ones, myself and Eric Eager from PFF, who I think is a frequent uh, visitor to your fine program, and Jeff Chidea from the NFL Network. We do Too Deep, too, uh, T-O-O Deep, uh, which is our NFL podcast, and Red Golden Bowl, which is our Chiefs podcast. So uh, look for those if you're interested in the subjects of Royals baseball, Chiefs football, or the NFL. Saran, we appreciate a couple minutes. Enjoy your trip. Steve, Adam, appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me. There you go. Thanks, I thought there was going to be some sort of blasting of us at the end there. I think but... he was thinking about it and then just decided not yeah, He could be distracted. He could, there could be sure. by a bar. It could be outside. It could be windy. Jay Peterman just walked by, and he's like, i got to be nice. Uh, your worst guest, not just Tahoe, but in general, celebrity guest? I mean, I'm going to say, I don't, I don't even know if you were on the show that day. Cousin Sal was like, I wanted to punch him yeah. through the phone if I could. And – uh my worst at Tahoe, I only did Tahoe like four times, but uh, Marshall Falk was just unbearable. <laughs> was just just a complete jerk. How's he doing now in the media? Well, well. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. See, that was a good spot on the conference realignment stuff because I figured Petro might. We just had Saran Petro on from WHB in Kansas City. Might come on and stump hard for the Big 12. And he's like, I don't know what's going to happen. And it's not for lack of knowledge. He's like, anything could happen. But I've read so many times over the last couple of days that, like, Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports put out a story that there were deep conversations about the Big 12, you know, grabbing these six teams from the Pac-12. What does that mean? Yeah, they're having conversations. Yeah. The, like, the, these decisions are not made. Like, okay, we're gone. The deep conversations. Like, immediately everyone's like, Pac-12's dead. Like, well, what and, are you talking about? Well, the question is who's involved in the conversations. Because it, it wouldn't be a lie if 
like the Pac-12 or say the top three executives at the Big 12 were like, we really should go get the guys from the Pac-12. Okay, good idea. That's that's okay. a deep conversation. Is, is, is TV in the room? Yeah. Who's 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 having the conversation? Are the TV important. execs in the room? And that's why that thing yesterday from John Canzano in Portland talking about this loose relationship between the ACC and the Pac-12. Well, ESPN has an interest in both. You know, and I'm sure ESPN would love to have, you know, these markets stay about where they are. You know, you, you know the ACC is probably going to lose a couple of schools here and there. Uh, there's still room for four gigantic conferences or five, you know, 16-team conferences. It's going to be pretty fascinating. But, yeah, I saw I saw one Louisville radio dude yesterday lamenting the fact that the Louisvilles and the Iowa States and, you know, a lot of the Cincinnati's and, oh, they got to sweat it out every time. Like, yeah, times change, man. Times change. People yeah. move. Yeah. The, the power centers of the country in 1910 are not the same in 2022. I mean, all of all of it is crazy, and you know, we just talked about it with Sram, but I I think one thing for people to keep in mind that it, it hasn't really been talked about much. Like basketball is going to be really weird because yep. I do think these major football conferences are going to break off and do their own thing, make their own quote unquote NCAA, and not be a part of the NCAA anymore. Yep. But then, what happens to the tournament? What happens to Big East? Hmm. What happens to basketball only schools? And what happens to what we know of as the tournament when it's not some of these teams? I mean, you could do. You know, if you do have six, say, four major conferences of 16 teams, which is very possible, then every team is in. It's a tournament. It's a 64-team tournament, and you don't have any of the smaller schools, you don't have any of the automatic qualifiers, you don't have any Big East schools. None of those are in. That could happen. Stick your hand in there, Dave. About 45 seconds, what do you think of what happened with Chestnut and betting and the over-under? Because he got interrupted for a couple of seconds there, and I did see some places did offer a rebate, yeah, a refund. Myself and a, and a bunch of people that I know uh, really kind of jumped on the under right before the event, and Oof. I said during the event, I was like, "We're we're not going to win this bet." Screwed. Yeah, it's going to be re- everything's going to be refunded. Now, people that bet the over did get refunded, and people that bet the under got paid. But but I would have been perfectly okay, even though it's, it would have sucked for me if they would have said, "No, this is no contest. It, that should not count. Rules. It shouldn't count." Yeah. And you know, I don't think that's what impa- impacted him. I think the injury was much more impactful than the having to stop and choke a guy, but that throws off your timing and, and everything else. Like, I think it should have just been a refund for everybody. Thanks to Battleborn Injury Lawyers for housing the show today. Tomorrow we'll be at Silver Sevens. If you need any legal advice, make sure you call Matt Hoffman, Justin Watkins, 570-9000.